Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hustle. I'm Travis Apple, and I'll be your host of this podcast. After spending my entire career in the sports sales industry, I wanted the opportunity to give back, to give back to those individuals that want to get in this business, or for those individuals that are in this business that want to continue to excel at an elite level. For those of you who know me, hustle has always been important, hence the name. This podcast is presented by General Sports Worldwide and the Clubhouse. GSW is certainly picking up steam in search, recruiting, training, and consulting. The Clubhouse is a career development platform consisting of monthly webinars, in-depth training vault, job board, mentorship platform, blogs, and a focus on mental health. Be sure to sign up for a free membership at theclubhousecareers.com. In addition, thanks for everyone that has supported the book, Hustle Your Way to Success in Sports Sales. For season three, I'm going to have the privilege of sitting down with industry experts to discuss their career path, three key topics that are current in the industry, three hustle hot seat questions, Three pieces of advice, all under 24 minutes. Now on to our guests this week. It's amazing to think how having sales experience can help lead an individual down so many paths, including starting their own company. Our next guest has done just that. I'm very excited to have Courtney Carter, founder and CEO of Carter Media Group. Courtney, welcome to the show. Hey, nice to be here. Thank you for having me, Travis. Courtney, excited to have you. Certainly excited to talk about your career. And, and let's start from the beginning. You grew up in Portland, Oregon. Went on to attend Oregon State University, receive a degree in business management, marketing, and related support services. What was that career path back then? Did you think you were going down? Well, I always knew at a very young age I wanted to be in sports and entertainment. Like it just, I was very lucky to have parents that <clears throat> instilled in me that I could do whatever I wanted to do. And um, my father worked in title insurance and my mother was always very entrepreneurial and had, you know, different things that she started along the way. And so I always had uh, a belief that if I could think it, I could do it. Right. And then, you know, very lucky to have the support and encouragement. Um, But my dad also, um, you know, had a band. He managed a band really when I was really young. So like I had these memories of being in the studio and as a family, we would go to concerts and sporting events and movies. And so, um, you know, even though I grew up in Oregon, we weren't the family that went on hikes or (laughs) went fishing, you know? And so, um, as, as a, I guess, as a product of Bill and Gail Carter, um, I, I knew, okay, I want to be, I want to do something that I really want to spend time enjoying myself, which we're sports entertainment. So, um, that is kind of where I knew. So the general education was very intentional. Um, knowing, okay, let me just get some broad business experience with a comms. I had a, I had a a communications and Spanish minor. Um, and so I also knew, um, to solidify my language skills in an ever-changing demography, you know, of the country. Um, yeah. And then, and then it was really more about, to be honest, it was less about the, the books in the classroom than it was about the real life application of, um, kind of deciding to be in leadership positions and, you know, from a, from the soccer perspective too, there was a lot of education I gleaned from having to lead a team and, you know, be a part of one. Um, So yeah, again, very lucky to have a lot of experiences that kind of put me on the path to where I'm at now. And I think that's great advice, Courtney, is just that real life experience. I think too many people and a lot of our listeners coming out of school, it's not necessarily what your your resume says from a class you took or a degree you have. It's what's that real life experience. And you kind of took it and ran with it. Your first job out of college in sports was with Madison Square Garden. Nothing like starting at one of the, the most famous arenas in the world. 
as an account executive in the sponsorship space, as you think back to your time, what's one key learning you learned early on that you still apply to your day? Uh, it's it's very simple. It's polite persistence. So um, I'm a big alliteration fan. And uh, I think the one thing I understood when I hit the streets of New York, not being from New York, not having a network in New York, it was all about how do I continue to be top of mind? And so I didn't let people forget that I was trying to get a hold of them <laughs> and, and and really politely asked for the, the no or the meeting, right? Because the quicker you get the no, the quicker you can move on to a potential yes. And I was always taught, you know, the 10% rule, you know, you're, you're going to close 10% of the, the, the business that you go out to get. So of every 10 calls, one will call you back or one will take the meeting, um, now, I was really lucky that I had little tickets to dangle in front of people and take people to to go see the Knicks. Hey, and ring. Come on to MSG. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I was like, let me take you to dinner. Let's yeah. have some wine. Let's, you know. Yeah. Um, but no, that, that definitely uh, selling the Knicks was a, a hard proposition in 04 through 07. So uh, it didn't matter if I had tickets, to be honest. It was yeah. more about, hey, did I understand their business? Was I approaching them thoughtfully? And was I being kind and polite. Right. And at a certain point, people in those positions who have budgets, they're like, mm, let me, let me take this meeting. Right. And then once, once I get in front of people, it's, uh, it's up to me. Yeah. It's all about the value proposition as well. And so, you know, from MSG, Courtney, you stay in sports, you join the MLS league office for three and a half years, then on to ESPN for almost four years as the director of sports management. And so in those roles, you're really focused on not only sales and business development, but also with ESPN, kind of the creative works behind it as well. What went into some of those day-to-days? Well, I'll, you know, it's interesting you mentioned that kind of at the end, because I think whether I was at the Knicks or, you know, before I took that account executive role, I was I was on-air talent myself. So I was an on-air reporter and produced, and I had to be my own producer for Fox Sports Northwest in college. And when I went into the Knicks sales role, I had to get really creative, with my approach, I think, you know, polite persistence, but also like this thoughtfulness and creativity around understanding who I'm calling and what their objective is, right? So giving enough time to listen and then actually study, study, like yeah. what and how does this restaurant want to drive their business? And and does anything in my toolbox or the anything that I'm selling, is is, is there anything I have that can be a vehicle for that objective. And so, you know, the fun part for me, to be honest, Travis, wasn't like, I'm not a hunter gatherer. I'm not someone who's like, I just can't wait to make the sale. Like for me, it's actually about the journey to the place and if it makes sense. So that's a creative proposition for me. Um, I always loved coming to the table and saying, yeah, but have you thought about it this way? Like not saying, oh, the numbers and spots and dots. No, no, no. It was like, I have this idea. Right. And getting them to feel ownership in this idea and then creating the value proposition around said idea. So a lot of, I always, I always said like from a cold call to a deal close, right? Let's say A to Z. I really loved like G to G to S. Yeah. You know, like that process for me was, is, is where I thrive and um, you know, sitting with the CMOs and sitting with executives on the marketing side and, and essentially being a part of their team, Yep. you know, being like a, being, being like, Hey, can I hang out and learn this? And then, Hey, here's this vehicle that you can then do these things with. So I would say that 
for me, it was always about the creative. It's always been about how can I most creatively approach this? You're getting a million calls a day. How am I differentiating myself? Um, And that comes from the cold call to the follow-up to sending a really thoughtful, like funny package, anything I could do to differentiate myself, regardless of who I represented, because a budget is a budget and there's only so many places that money's going to go. And I'd be damned if like, it didn't, some of it didn't come to me. And if it was on, if I had the ability, I was going to try. So that I'd say that I'd say, you know what the creative role I loved. I wasn't the person making the calls at the end at ESPN. I was the one really the engine from an idea standpoint that was driving incremental revenue for um, very talented sales teams at ESPN. Corner, I think it's like mic drop moment right there. And and for those listeners out there, you know, and, and I spent a lot of weeks training sales and sponsorship teams. And one of the things I always talk about is what you just hit on. How are you differentiating yourself? There's 50 people calling that same person. 45 of them are going to be like the auto dialers. They're just oh. calling the same thing. and They're trying to force feed your product. Maybe five of them are truly doing a little research, trying to differentiate themselves and, and evoke emotion. Uh, with that creativity. So yeah. uh, amazing advice. And, you know, now as you're growing your career very quickly and, and really living the dream in the big apple of New York City, you decided to make the transition back out West to work for CAA, Creative Artists Agency. And, and as you embark on the journey out there, you become an agent for for talent, both on, on TV and brand partnerships. And so here you work to package and sell multiple shows across TV and digital so how did that experience, and I know you're going to, you, uh, one of the right things is you just mentioned about creativity, but compared to selling sports. Huh. Um, great question. And I'd say that I was not looking to go to LA and be an agent. I got a cold call from two very talented gentlemen. One currently runs the WWE. His name is Nick Khan. Um, the other is Andy Elkin, who's still at CAA representing some of the most transformative voices in our, you know, Seth Meyers, Whoopi Goldberg, a whole bunch of amazing um, talent. But, um, you know, they said, look, we we hear that you know and understand how to drive story with talent. Because a lot of what I did at ESPN was create these very uh, unique campaigns um, uh, that included sports, our, our sports broadcasting talent, right? Yeah. And so the, the transition into, from and at the time I was working on like 30 for 30 and Grantland and some properties that uh, and ESP, I had built this thing called the Guinness suite in Los Angeles in the sports center studio. That was more like, Hey, we've got all these stars coming through the sports center studio. Why aren't we, that's lame to just do a sports mm-hmm. center hit. Like, why don't we create other cool lifestyle branded content yep. that, that the, that, that I really think the consumer wants. We were quite ahead of the curve. Um, you know, like mobile consumption was not there, like, you know, Instagram and those things didn't really exist. And so, um, it was like watching it on ESPN.com, you know, (laughs) but now I'm dating myself. Um, but, but all that being said, it was always driven by the creative idea. Right. And the more I got closer to LA, I was like, well, now I think I could live in LA. I always thought New York was the center of the universe, which it is, but, um, Long story short, I had a beautiful eight-month courtship from CAA, and there's some very talented people there. And um, ultimately, I uh, sat with Kevin Huvain, uh, who's one of the founders, right, of of the agency. And in the New York, in his when he was in New York one day, and he got it. And there's not a lot of people who got it. And I had the ability to go over there and really start a new way of thinking around talent and 
you know, commoditizing and building their own brands. This is again, before this was what everyone's trying to do, right. you know? And so I went there to kind of help them identify the top talent that had the ability to really truly build a brand and then be a connective tissue throughout the agency and in the marketplace. And um, it was a beautiful time. Uh, I learned a lot. I'll tell you, I was there a little over three years and I had a crash course education on the entertainment industry. And again, I think I started in the non-scripted television talent and packaging department, uh, which in regular people speak is we represent talent and we represented production companies and we put them together, which is called packaging. And we pitch shows to the marketplace and to sell them. Um, About a year or so in uh, the agency started a digital group, right. Who started again as the emerging talent from YouTube and Instagram. And because a lot of what I was doing was utilizing these direct to consumer channels for talent, uh, it became a natural transition point for me. So I went over and became an agent in the, like the original, like one of the original agents in the digital talent packaging and brand partnerships team. So it was a beautiful, like, I don't want to say homecoming, but, but, but destination to land at knowing I had been at so many different, um, like sides of the table. Yeah. Talent. I worked with productions, uh, producers, right. I'd worked with brands. I'd worked at properties. So I knew kind of like how everybody thought, and I could approach a situation really creatively again and drive kind of the innovative side of the business and help bring up new talent, right. Help kind of uh, talent that was coming off Vine or Instagram or YouTube and say, hey, this is what traditional is, film, television, you know, and vice versa. So I, I kind of became a translator um, between the two worlds um, as I sat in between like the Gen Y millennial, you know, cusp myself. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so. it's, it's, apologies it's, for all the, the meeting notices. Uh, it is the middle of the day. So. Hey, that's just, that's the, the life we live in. It's always moving, moving and shaking. And, and certainly, you know, according to it's, to your point, you, you probably got a master's and a doctorate, you know, in, in some of that stuff, just being a part of it. And you know, after three plus years at CAA, you make the decision to start your own company, Carter Media Group. And and many th- many people love to think about owning their own company, but there's often a lot of risk. And, you know, that risk has certainly paid off as you've now been doing it for six years. What would you say is your elevator pitch for Carter Media Group? Oh, wow. Um, My elevator pitch for who we are and why we exist is um, when we started to now, I think is a little different. So when we started, it was we're here to know and understand all of the places that a a piece of talent wants to be involved. The multi-hyphenate creator, the the historically underrepresented um, folks, uh, people of color, women, right? LBGTQ plus IA. It was they had to go in different places to reach audiences because the traditional systems maybe weren't as familiar with their stories and so weren't weren't as um, apt to pick it up, so to speak, uh, or to invest in it. And so we represent voices in culture uh, that are shaping culture. So Carter Media Group represents uh, people's people, stories, and ideas that shift and shape culture. It's very simple, which is why when you go to our website and you see our clients, you're like, how does, this doesn't make sense. They've got like a culinary and creative collective. They've got a big wave surfer. They've got Salema Masakela, like the face and voice of action sports. And then wait, they've got Carrie Twig, who's in the Obama White House and is a producer. And then 
wait a minute, you've got Elaine Walteroth, a New York Times bestselling author. And like, you know, it's a bit all over the place. But to be honest, the through line, all of these people in their spaces weren't invited there. Right. They came, they innovated and disrupted and they are shaping culture because of it. And I am honored every day to get to work with them and be a steward of their voice and their brand. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Again, we're here on 52 Weeks of Hustle. The guest today, Courtney Carter, founder and CEO of Carter Media Group. And Courtney, let's get into three hot topics. And question one, in all of your stops that we, we just kind of talked through, you have helped drive over $250 million in revenue. What is the key to success in driving such large revenue numbers? Well, I'll tell you, I've had the obvious, like I, I, my, the obvious answer, I guess, to this is the fact that I've worked for pretty amazing properties. So whether it's the Garden, the Knicks, and then it's Major League Soccer and U.S. Soccer and, you know, helping restart the women's uh, professionally, the second iteration, it was called Women's Professional Soccer, WPS. I've been in really fortunate place. And then obviously ESPN. I've been at places with scale, right, where where the yep. IP is worth a lot. So, um, you know, look, I can't say that I drove $250 million of ticket revenue. It's not it's not true. Um, I helped sell some tickets, I'm but sure. In general, $250 million, a lot of revenue. A lot of money. It's a lot of money. Um, You know, so again, I've been lucky enough to uh, be able to represent pretty special things. But at the same time, I think it goes back to the original uh, question you actually asked me was uh, polite persistence. It's this, um, I am never not on, I am never not selling. It is not something, it's not a hat I put on. It is just the blood that runs through my veins. If I am super excited about a person, a place, a thing, a story, an idea, I'm going to tell everybody about it. Wait, it awesome. Well, in question two, you've been twice named a top entertainment executive by Business Insider. And much of that is a result of you being able to identify cultural shifting brands, platforms, partnerships. What's your advice to listeners on being able to stay ahead of the curve, no matter what they're doing? I'd say, you know, keep your keep your ear to the streets. Um f- I'd say, you know, just to be very tactical about it, subscribe to some great uh, newsletters or, you know, trade magazines. Um, I would, I would say to, you know, from a culture perspective, I, I would, there's a, there's a great one out there right now called the future. I also am a big fan of, um, of tube filter. Right. Um, and, and right now also, I would say, do not get, get in the, get in the, metaverse game get in the ai game get know what's going to be the next five to ten years you have to 
Um, you have to at least be curious about it. So one, it's like always be curious. And um, two, I would say invest in yourself, meaning uh, information gathering from places that um, will open up your your mind a little bit and challenge yeah. you. Uh, and three, uh, I would say just like never settle. Right. Don't be content. That's yeah. right. Always be it. uncomfortable. Yeah. And question three, you you also have a commitment in servant leadership, including being on several boards as well as founding your own nonprofit, Alley to Action. Why is giving back so important to you? Um, just because I think that's why we're here. I don't, I don't, I don't think, uh, I don't think God created us to, uh, make money and buy things. Uh, I, you know, I, again, like I mentioned before, I, I, for me, it's about creating spaces where people can come together and experience things that bridge gaps. And, um, I was again, very lucky to be brought up in a household that was all about uh, being a, a woman and a man, man and woman for others and, um, and giving back. So as, as, as early as I can remember, it was, you know, the, the food drives and, you know, being, being a part of, uh, being a citizen of not only my city or my community or my school or whatever it was, but if I've been given a platform and an opportunity and a brain that thinks a certain way, I have a responsibility to honor my spirit. And if it's calling me to be helpful or to create something that's going to uh, serve all my, all that purpose that I just mentioned, um, I wouldn't be fulfilling my purpose if I didn't do those things. So, um, you know, the creation of Ally to Action as a as a prime example uh, is I knew I had to do something in the wake of George Floyd by way of who I love and who I represent and um, the, the translation that I do on a daily basis because I represent some very unapologetic Black voices and beautiful, exciting, joyful voices. And um, there was a lot of people that didn't understand what was happening. And I found myself um, with an opportunity to create a platform and a space for folks to feel more understood and understand. So um, yeah, just kind of why we're here. Yeah. To help no. love each other. I love it. Courtney, this has been great. Ton of great advice. Certainly fun to hear about your journey, both personally and professionally. And to close it out, I like to put our guests on the hustle hot seat. So you ready for this? Let's go. All right. If a movie was made about your life, who would you want to play yourself? Yeah, so this is hard. This is hard. Um, okay. So I immediately go to Sandra Bullock because she's I like my favorite always has been. And I think she, she's playful, but also like can be like super thoughtful and dramatic, but it's like if Sandra Bullock, Maggie Gyllenhaal and like, um, <laughs> Connie Coon had a baby. Gonna there we combine go. Combine them all. There yeah, you go. exactly. Exactly. I was like, or, or like Kristen Stewart. Yeah, there you go. I love it. What's the last item on your bucket list that you've completed? I'm a big music fan. It goes back to wanting to share experience. Uh, I'm a big Dermot Kennedy fan, if you know the, the musician. And so I, um, a bucket list was to go see him play live in his home country of Ireland. So this last year I, I flew to Ireland and saw him perform at uh, Malahide Castle, which was super cool. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. If you could have dinner with one person, it could be dead or alive, who would it be? Probably my great-grandmother. Nice. Love it. Yeah. And Courtney, to close it out, what are three key takeaways you'd give every listener to be in your shoes one day? Okay. I'd say that one, um, you only have one name. 
So when you enter a room, when you write an email, when you make a phone call, know and understand that your name probably isn't going to change. So the way you enter, enter with a smile, enter with kindness, right? Um, People call it your brand, but truly it's who you are. Um, John Proctor in the Crucible taught me that in high school. So uh, you only have one name. Um, Two, I would say uh, to be kind and generous. In the sales game, I think a lot of people are like, you know, just like conquer, you know, hunt and, and, uh, I'm going to get it before you. And like, look, I'm, you don't want to play games with me. I'm one of the most competitive folks in the biz. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I'm very principle based and integrity based, but like generosity and kindness, like that'll always go a long way. Yeah. Uh, and then I'd say three is, um, setting a purpose. So, uh, like I've mentioned, I think it's kind of been a bit of a theme of our of our chat is yep. um, while I've done a lot of different things, the purpose has always stayed the same, um, which is creating something that like is going to serve people that's fun and then also, you know, drives revenue and, and all of the other it things all comes together me, for me. It's again to just just the purpose of like bringing people together and um, knowing that we're all we're all here on this rock floating in space, like to love and be loved. So like, however I can make that more entertaining, um, I'm here, I'm all here for it. So I would say, yeah, I'd say like, you only got one name, be kind and generous. And like, if you're going to do something, do it with purpose and excellence. I love it. Ton of great advice. Courtney, thank you so much. You've had such a great career. Pleasure talking to you. And I certainly appreciate your time and expertise. Thank you, Travis. Again, this is Travis Apple. Thank you for listening to 52 Weeks of Hustle. Please be sure to follow the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. We'll be back next week with another industry leader. Have a great week. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.